Welcome to episode 48 of the Ministry of Skill podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Join us as we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips to help your ministry multiply its digital impact. This episode is another in our series of the best from the digital ministry conference that we held back in October. The talk that you're going to hear today is one of my personal favorites. It's from Tabitha Capick of the Commerce Center. And I think it's one of my favorites because she was so practical on sharing ways on how to spark innovation for your team. Plus, you're going to love her frog story. So in just a few minutes, we'll be able to hear from Tabitha in the Chalmers Center talking about how to spark innovation on your team. Now let's listen to Tabitha. Uh, so the way that I tell if an innovation has happened, like those wheels on the suitcase, is are the people, your users, your congregants, do they experience relief, delight, or hope? That's how I can tell something happened. Um, that's how I know that that suitcase was an innovation because we as travelers experienced relief, delight, and hope. delighted and excited to be with you. Like Kenny said, my name is Tabitha Capic and I'm with the Chalmers Center. And the Chalmers Center, our mission is to equip churches and Christian nonprofits to live out Christ's kingdom today. And we especially focus on addressing the broken relationships that are at the roots of poverty. And hopefully you'll get a sense that we define poverty maybe a little differently than you do. But yes, I am going to be talking about design thinking. So just so you know that our process at the Chalmers Center, we call it Innovate, kind of combines three streams of thought. And this is a beautiful artist rendering of a city, an actual city in Yawata, Japan. And this kind of shows you, this is our graphic to show you the, the three streams of thought. We use God's big story, um, of change that we find in the Bible, asset-based community development principles, and design thinking. We, we took the best of all of that and combined it into what I'm going to share with you. Um, buckle up. This is going to be crazy fast, uh, but hopefully um, you'll be able to have some actionable things you can take away from it. So let me back up here to um, how we think about poverty. For us at the Chalmers Center and what we believe the Bible tells us is poverty is not a lack of stuff. It's actually broken relationships. And I promise this applies to you. God created human beings um, to flourish with four key relationships. That is our relationship to God, our relationship to ourself, to others, and to all of creation. This is going to end up being key in design thinking, which you'll see in just a second. So when we think about innovation, sometimes we get discouraged, like everything has already been created. I'm listening to all these wonderful things that people have done. And I want to kind of dispel that myth. Um, this is an exciting picture. It's from 1969 huge innovation. We got some humans to the moon and they landed on the moon. That's incredible. The thing that is most interesting to me though, is what happened three years after this. It took three years after landing human beings on the moon for us to put wheels on suitcases. Now this innovation 
affects my life. These wheels on the suitcase affects my life a bit more, but I want you to just remember that because yes, we may not be in our ministries getting people on the lunar surface, but man, those wheels on the suitcase are awesome. And then you can keep going. You can keep improving it. Almost 20 years later, we got that telescoping handle and what it uh, appears to us today, the way suitcases are today. So design thinking, the idea behind it, when you need to design a product, a service for someone, uh, what it's saying is that to get to that innovation, you want to go through desirability. That doesn't mean that we ignore viability and feasibility. Can we do it? Should we do it? But what the design thinking principle asks you to do is sort of delay those things and go in through the desirability pathway. If you look closely at this slide, I've adapted it because in the marketplace, design thinking is often called human-centered design. But as Christians, we know that we're also doing things before the face of God at all times. So we don't want to design things that would uh, displease God or, you know, it's not just about what do people want. It's also about how can we be kingdom centered? Uh, so the way that I tell if an innovation has happened, like those wheels on the suitcase, is are the people, your users, your congregants, do they experience relief, delight, or hope? That's how I can tell something happened. Um, that's how I know that that suitcase was an innovation because we as travelers experienced relief, delight, and hope. So just a quick nod to history. Design thinking has been with us for decades. Um, and if you Google it right now, there it's not a dead language. There is a lot of different words that people use, slightly different processes. There's a lot of things out there. So I just want you to be aware of that. Um, a lot of the design thinking that the Chalmers Center uses is that which is coming out of California. So especially if we think of the D School at Stanford University and the for-profit um, firm IDEO. But I put a screwdriver on this slide to remind myself and all of you that design thinking is not the end-all be-all. It is one tool in your tool belt that you can use um, to innovate within your ministry and church and nonprofit. It's just one tool. So Chalmers, remember those three rivers coming together. We looked at this process. We wanted to make it accessible to villagers in West Africa, which is where we started, um, but also just anyone in the US. So we wanted to strip back as much jargon as possible. And we ended up with just three steps. So a little bit of relief there. Listen, make, test is what I'm going to be talking about today, and I am going to do like a speed round and sort of do a highlight reel of a one tool or two tools in each of these categories um, very quickly. Uh, as you see, it's a cycle. So we never really stop listening and making and testing, but think about a slinky. You just keep circling around this until you get to a solution that works for your ministry. One thing that I like to warn people about, when you do innovation, and especially in our process, it's a different muscle group that you're gonna be using if you use the tools of innovation. And sometimes you'll feel like this pug and that's okay. I also love animals, so I have them in my decks. 
But sometimes you'll feel like this because it's a different way of doing things, but it's in those moments when we feel a little bit uncomfortable, uh, sometimes that can help us do things in a different way. All right, quick story. To start with a listen step in our process. Um, this happened in 2020 uh, in the spring. My family was in lockdown and my husband and I have two teenagers. We took them for a hike. I wanted to show them a cave. Uh, it was like an old mine shaft that I had found before. And we were alone on the trail. But when we got to the mouth of the cave, there was another family coming out. And one of them had their hands cupped like this. As I said, I love animals. I said, what do you have there? And he told me, oh, this frog was in the cave and it was freezing to death. So I've brought the frog out here where it can be more comfortable. And I just nodded and they, they made way and we went into the cave next. Guess what we found? The cave was full of these frogs. It was full of these frogs because it was an ideal spot for them. There was a consistent temperature all through the winter and spring. There was a consistent source of water dripping down the cave walls. There was a food source, cave crickets. So what these well-meaning, well-intentioned folks had done was take this frog from an ideal environment for it and put it in an environment that felt more comfortable for them. I really, if you do any design thinking, please remember the frog. You may feel comfortable in certain digital spaces, but the people you're trying to serve and reach don't take them out of a really comfortable place for them to put them in a place that's comfortable for you. So just keep in mind the frog. So when we're listening in the listen step to users, we at Chalmers like to use a journey map. This is a way to really key into how the people you're trying to serve are feeling. Now you'll see this journey map is just following Kevin through his morning routine when his alarm goes off all the way to uh, when he's heading out the door to work or maybe working from home, like many of us. Uh, and it says all the steps that he's going through, but it also tracks his emotion. This is a tool, a pretty simple tool that you can use with your people that you're trying to reach and engage with. Um, it builds relationships with them, which I've already told you is so important, but we use these, we go through and circle the high points and the low points. Well, why do we do that? because emotion is a shortcut to innovation. If you see that people light up at something or they seem to be frustrated or sad about something, these are moments that are shortcuts to innovation for you. So really pay attention when you see emotion. Not only will it help you understand where your users are coming from, it'll build that relationship and help you learn so much more about how they're feeling, which is really important. We don't always think about emotion as something we should be designing around. So um, whose emotion do we wanna talk to? Uh, I adore this guinea pig, whoever this guinea pig is on the dog, but it's just a way for me to tell you about extreme users. I hope this is something that you can use right away tomorrow. It's called designing to the edges or extreme users. If you think about your audience or the people you're trying to engage with, it, they'll fall into a bell curve like you see on the screen. In the center is like the vast majority of users, the typical users. And on the edges are these extreme users. 
What I'll say to you is if you can identify and start building and listening, building a relationship, listening to these extreme users, it's another shortcut to innovation. One example, mobility. If you think about sidewalks in a regular city, um, uh, an extreme user of sidewalks is someone in a wheelchair. They're using the sidewalk differently than most people. Or maybe on the other end, there those people with the electric scooters that like zip through all the major cities around the world, they're another extreme user. If you think about a sidewalk at a, at a, like a big traffic light, you might notice if you think about it, that there's a cut through, that the sidewalk has a little ramp down to the main street. And on the other side, you can walk across the road and then another little ramp up. This was designed, this, this innovation in sidewalks was designed for people who use wheelchairs. And yet it benefited all walkers, all users of, of sidewalks. Parents with strollers, people who are older, that they make walking easier. So find those extreme users in, in your group of people you're engaging with, you're trying to serve your congregants and really build a relationship with them. Now, the next step is the make step. We do brainstorming and prototyping in this step. And we love brainstorming at Chalmers. We try to have fun because fun is actually an awesome tool of innovation. If you feel buoyant and light, you're better at innovating. But I don't know if you've ever heard about brainstorming with constraints. We use constraints. Um, if you look at this picture, it's a little girl at a bowling alley rolling a ball. Uh, and you see that there's bumper guards coming up and those bumper guards keep that ball from falling into the gutter so that she has a better chance of knocking down those pins at the end of the alley, which is how you score points in this game. That is exactly how constraints and brainstorming work at the Chalmers Center and in design thinking. It helps you get unstuck. So say you're having a brainstorming session and you kind of have run out of gas. Everybody has said their ideas you can use a constraint to get even more ideas, like what would Nelson Mandela do? Or how can we make this into a game? For this audience especially, I wanted you to see, you can't use the internet. What would you do? Brainstorm around that. You may think, wait, why would she tell us not to use digital channels? I guarantee if you tried to brainstorm around, okay, we can't use the internet, you would come up with great ideas that then you can apply back into the digital space. So give it a try. One of the big constraints that we use at Chalmers is we think about those four key relationships that all humans were designed to have flourishing in their lives. And we use that as a brainstorming constraint. So as we think about what new ministry we might design or a component, we add in, okay, now let's brainstorm around how we could use this to increase the person's relationship with God or to all of creation. And just you can use those four key relationships to get even more ideas, which is great. We also make quick prototypes, and I cannot promote this enough. At the bottom of your screen, you'll see someone who's prototyping an app using paper and post-it notes. You can give that sort of prototype to a user in your church, even an extreme user, maybe someone who's not great on technology, and they can use that in front of you and you can observe that and engage with them on what they like or don't like. There's also a Lego model, which is a great kind of prototype. 
Prototypes are magical because they let you test ideas very quickly. Um, when it is still incredibly um, low resource to make changes. So it takes, it, these simple sorts of prototypes take less time to change, less money, less social capital. Really encourage the use of prototypes. As soon as you've made a prototype and shown it to someone that you're trying to engage with, you're testing. And tiny tests are so important. Don't try to test the whole thing all at once. Break it down into little steps and test those. Again, the idea is not to create a whole thing in an ivory tower and launch it tomorrow using all your resources. Go think small and then build. So um, we love doing experiments at the Chalmers Center and we do them all the time. I just moved the trash can in our office and declared it an experiment and it worked out. We got it in a better place. So just to sum up, um, listen, make, test is the way we do innovation at the Chalmers Center and the way we teach churches and nonprofits to do it. Remember emotion, extreme users, uh, brainstorm using constraints in those four relationships, and don't forget to test. Those simple, simple prototypes and tiny tests will really get you the results you'd need. Um, we're going to be doing an Innovate training soon, but that's my time. Wow, that was rich. All the different things that she talked about, listen, make, test, journey maps, designing to the edges. That was a new one. I had not heard of that. I'm very familiar with the uh, crossing the chasm aspect, but the designing to the edges was, was really helpful. Quick prototypes, think small, then build. Uh, I mean, just tons of good practical information. If you want to see the full talk with Tabitha Slides, we're linking to that in the show notes. You can get, go to the show notes and, and see the full talk in video with her slides right there. I also just want to remind you of our 2021 benchmark study and scorecard. You can get on the fast track to helping multiply your impact in the digital space. You'll want to get your scorecard and benchmark study today, 5q.com slash scorecard. That's F-I-V-E-Q.com slash scorecard. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, keep learning, keep growing, keep impacting your world for Christ.